Megan. Caitlin. What are we doing today? Today we are talking about YA literature. Yeah, young adult literature, but make it religious. sound the same as normal, but we're just going to get through it. <laughs> so we have a special guest with us this week, Allison. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure thing. Um, yeah, so I'm Allison Weber. Thank you all so much for having me on. Yeah. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> uh, you would not believe it, the atmosphere in here, the energy, ooh, it oh, is yeah. popping, folks. Despite um, the sickness, despite the... Yeah, despite yeah. the sickness, you and can't even tell. Kayla's just over there with her little mask. You can tell her eyes. Just, man, she's smiling. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so I'm an English major. I like books. I've been a reader myself throughout my life. I would consider myself a young adult right now. Um, I'm 21, so I think that qualifies. Uh, yeah, I've read a lot of young adult, young adult literature um, as I've been younger throughout my life. Um, but then also I'm pretty well-versed in the world of religion. I've done some studying, and I'm still doing some studying in that. Um, yeah, but so I've got some knowledge in Perfect. both realms. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm excited for this topic because I've always been an avid reader growing up, and in high school I was way too busy to read anything. But then once I got to college, I was still busy, but my reading was in form of procrastination. <laughs> so I would read for myself. And so I've read, like, so many books that I didn't have the opportunity, young, like, young adult books that I didn't have the opportunity to read when I was growing up, now as a college student. And so, like, I'm jumping into these worlds that people have been living in for a long, long time, and I'm like, hey, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that so, is amazing. Yeah. So um, I'm excited for this topic, and I'm really excited because one thing that I think is true of and you're going to be better to speak to this house than me, but one thing I think is true for any book is there, there's a lesson, there's an uh, intention, there's a purpose behind it from the author. Um, in some, and in some of those, especially in young adult literature, you see some aspect of teaching or of, of morality showing up, um, maybe directly or indirectly being taught to those who are reading it. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to look at. We're going to look at morality today as it appears in some select, <laughs> there's so many books out there, right? There's some mm -hmm. select uh, book choices um, that are pretty popular over the last couple decades. And then we will um, so talk about those books a little bit, and then we're going to connect morality to religion and talk about how we see morality in religion. And of course, uh, as we say religion, you know, specifying that our realm of focus is Christianity in the sense that that's what we know best, so that's what we're going to be discussing. Um, but yeah, I'm going to start off with a couple categories. Um, so I have a question, and I would guess I would want both of you to answer it. But what do you think is the most well-known part of young adult literature? Like, from a cultural perspective, if someone says... Uh, 
or talks about Harry Potter or talks about Percy Jackson or some of those other like really impactful young adult literature books throughout the time. What do you think from a cultural perspective is the most well-known part of this topic? All right. Well, if we're if we're going with general like YA book genre, I would say like fantasy, adventure, um, like hero narrative. Um, yeah, and we see that a lot with the super super popular ones. So like Percy Jackson and then Harry Potter. Those are definitely two of like the big ones that you named. But I think the sort of King of Kings out there in YA lit, um, definitely Harry Potter growing up mm-hmm. for me at least for, for my generation right. I think for our generation yeah. was a, a big one um, what do you think Megan um, I would agree I think in terms of naming a genre I think fantasy is definitely the the front runner for what people think of when they think of YA literature what, what do young adults read they want to read about magic they want to read about dragons they want to read about all these things that don't exist but are like really cool and the hero narrative like you said like having someone to root for and I think uh, that's also, I think, in um, books from older generations, too, like young people seeking out, like, um, like Lord of the Rings um, and other books. Like, even Harry Potter, like, initially came out really early on, and I remember my mom was reading it. She wasn't um, a young adult at the time. She was a little older, but it was still, like, a good, like, nostalgic-type feeling of just, like, going back into some, some imaginary world and living out something that doesn't really exist. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point to bring up, the idea of, like, y- there were two things. The mm-hmm. the heroic, you're rooting for someone aspect, and then also the diving into a world that is so much, that is different from ours, or different from quote-unquote reality. Um, and, and so those two appeal, I think you do find present in a lot of different YA, a lot of different popular books in that way but yeah yeah you you do find them present in like a lot of YA books but the the really cool thing about um like YA fiction is that when you're reading it you can kind of imagine yourself Mm. in like in the story you know um so there is that like if it's a really well written story you you get lost in it you know um in, in some like the best ways and that's not to say that it's like 100% 100% real, you know, it's not, but it, it is definitely, like, fiction, you know, so it's fantasy, um, but, so that's, like, another added level to it. Um, some other topics or categories that we have here, um, the most important collaborator, I think, would be interesting to bring into this, so you have these books that we've mentioned, and then, obviously, they were authored um, by by people. So if you had to pick a author that has been one of the most influential in this genre, I'm putting on the spot, Allison, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say? Um, okay. So if we're if we're talking specifically about YA lit and, you know, religious morality connections um i'm gonna mention c.s lewis absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah we got the the chronicles of narnia and then he also wrote a lot of other children's literature um and some like other ya stuff like younger younger literature as well um and although it like isn't necessarily intended 
to be like reflected as sort of this direct connection Mm -hmm. to um like the story of um the crucifixion like all that Mm -hmm. jazz um it you you can you can definitely make those connections um and like c.s lewis definitely big proponent of like christianity Mm -hmm. and definitely wrote like a lot of just general literature on theology as well so making big moves <laughs> in, in both of those both of those categories so i would i would say i would say him i would say for me i'm kind of gonna expand beyond the like what because we we talked about fantasy being very well known in that those types of books but i think an author that i feel like has made a big contribution on like another aspect of like why literature from more of like a almost like a slice of life perspective and kind of like writing books that um, kids in middle school or high school can like relate to and like stories that are very like very possibly could happen in people's lives um rainbow rowell i think she has a lot of really good books um like eleanor and park i know i read mm-hmm. when i was in middle school and that was a really good book and she's got another like uh, fangirl came out soon after that yeah. um, in 2013 and carry on um a lot of a lot of books that um, contain like stories that could happen in anyone's lives and they're I think they're just really interesting and really like speak to the experiences of young people and I'm sure she's got a couple in there that are considered banned books and so <laughs> that's ah, you're bringing it in we, I know we, we yeah. can probably talk about it later but yeah. I know that um, the type of thing that she writes about um, is very real for a lot of people and um, can be scary but it's still really important Okay, so I think there's a couple different ways that we could go from here, but I really just want to jump into some of the themes uh, that we're seeing that point to morality in some of these books that we've brought up. And I think that really, I mean, the closest category that I think that really fits into here is the most meaningful moment in the topics. So let's let's jump into there. Um, if anybody just wants to, like, name a theme or a way that you see morality working in one of the books that we've mentioned or one we haven't mentioned and it was really open but mm. we can just jump off from there i was interested in like a a general thing that megan mentioned um when she was discussing uh who is the author of like eleanor and park and oh rainbow rowell rainbow rowell um yeah you were talking about how like the books like kind of inherently discuss morality you know in them but they're not like super actively being religious you know they're not making an active religious statement yet people take them in that way you know people in like super secular communities um take them as like offensive Mm -hmm. that's really interesting because i think in order to to have that conversation we may have to have a bunny trail real quick to talk about the relationship between morality and religion those two words and concepts because I think I think (laughs) you a hundred percent see morality in religion but I think you also see morality outside of religion so they're not mutually exclusive in my opinion well because you have like people that could have a good sense of morals but not be religious like you could have people that are agnostic that are still like aware that you need to be nice to people and stuff like that so yeah. But there's also mm-hmm. so much debate, and I'm playing devil's advocate Please, both yes, ways yes. here. <laughs> but there's also so much debate 
about like where the source of morality comes from, whether one acknowledges that that's source true. or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. You're right. And like that conversation is so like just such a such a big thing that we could talk about. Um, and I think just more simply when it comes to books, you know, um, the idea of like religion and morality, just like generally, um, like some books don't necessarily take action on like either of those fronts. Um, but like both of those things, religion, like morality, no matter how deep the, you go into them, they're like in, they're inherently involved in like the truth of like each character's lives, right? Like you, you need some sort of semblance of that to make a character believable, right? To, to give them humanity. Um, and so like the books that don't take like a lot of action on that, um, but just kind of stand there and like listen in on that conversation and like use it. Um, that's a way of kind of just like approaching like this sort of like full humanity um, of the characters. And I feel like that helps us see the, the humanity in ourselves, you know? And so I feel like that's a really interesting thing of why lit, because they do involve that, that like aspect of morality, whether or not it is specifically religious or like murky on whether or not you can tell it. Um, and like, I know, it helps us like learn a lot about ourselves and other people. Um, and like, it's just a really helpful way like religion generally to approach living as a person uh -huh. um, in a world full of people. Allison is very wise. <laughs> this is why yes. I needed her on this podcast. <laughs> you say things so eloquently, and it's like, yeah, perfect. Okay, we just wrap that exactly. up. That's exactly what we're going to say exactly. for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> um, something I'm interested in in a book that I once again read in middle school. Um, is a book called Out of My Mind by Sharon M. Draper. And the book itself is about an 11-year-old girl who has cerebral palsy, so she can't walk or talk um, or, like, move her body, so she can't, like, um, participate in school. So um, this girl named Melody, she is not able to participate in class, and because of that, people write her off as being, like, unable to like learn anything because she's not physically able to like express her knowledge of things but she also um, we find out as readers that she has a photographic memory so she is like taking in every detail she's seeing because she can see and she can like take in the environment around her but like teachers and students and adults are like pushing her aside as if she is um, worthless and like couldn't possibly understand what's being talked about and treat her poorly and treat her like she's an infant like she's a toddler and doesn't know any better about anything and um yeah so it's a really interesting book on um, disability and the experience of an individual with a disability and I think that perspective is really interesting in terms of like um almost almost like empathy like practicing empathy and like um putting ourselves in other people's shoes and like really trying to get a sense of like what other people are going through and I think that side of morality is really interesting in terms of taking into account the experiences of other people and trying to understand what that might be like and and 
feel out the, the situation in that regard. In my opinion, now taking into consideration, it has been quite some time since I have read this book. Me as well. Um, I'm thinking like over a decade, folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but from my memory, uh, the, the kind of intended moral lesson is that, you know, um, you learn that you can like persevere through like this discrimination. It's about like this acceptance, you know, um, and inclusion and you know how to how to do that and like like this this capacity for empathy like you were describing mm-hmm. right Megan yeah. um but like from what I remember I think there were some some problematic elements mm-hmm. um just concerning this sort of general acceptance by um some of like the side characters like the classmates and the teachers and like that kind of thing with like the offensive language and then sort of overt discrimination that was continued towards Melody, the main character. Um, and so like having both of those things running at the same time um, is really, really kind of confusing for um, anyone generally. Um, but I feel like especially you know, like the audience is catered towards um, to kind of get that message and like even if you do get that message like because I I mean by the end of the book like I was like oh yeah empathy like she persevered and you know like and that's great but like along 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 the side of that there's all these people that are not you know not picking up on that but it's also I mean that's kind of how the world works that's how the world works it's more reality in that way yeah I do want to say also, I remember, because it's also been about a decade, if not more, since I've read this book. Um, and I do remember when I was reading it, I did feel really uncomfortable, like, reading about the experiences that Melody was having and just how we as readers understand what she's going through and, like, her thoughts yeah. because she's narrating the book, I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. But having to, like, see that she's not being, like, accepted or, like, the yeah. the understanding's not being reciprocated was really hard to, to read about as a 12-year-old. <laughs> They might or be like 13 a, or whatever. Like a necessary kind of thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mm-hmm. think it, it forced me at that young of an age to, like, realize that that's the way the world works, that people don't automatically, like, understand what everyone's going through, and it's it's hard to, to look at someone and know their life story in terms of what they've experienced and the way that their life works. Yeah. What else? What other thoughts on a different book or whatever yeah. else? about you Caitlin you had a couple of books that you were very excited to talk about yeah um I was always more drawn to well I should say I am currently more drawn to more of the fantasy realm ones um and I've recently been able to read like Percy Jackson for the first time and also probably my all-time favorite book series Aragon (laughs) which is a little bit more niche I know it was a little it was popular but it wasn't like super mega popular like some of the others um and I think in both of those series there was there's always a sense in fantasy adventure of like camaraderie and a, a community between the people who are you know on the quest or the adventure or the whatever together Um, And so I think that is something that is portrayed um, in some of those books. 
and I, as a psychology major, I, I see some of these concepts in like social psychology coming up in some of these books that are like just part of, you know, human nature that appears in, in, in these things. And when I say, I mean like, there's a lot of pro-social behaviors that are happening in like some of those community building. You're going through a rough, you know, situation, adventure, that you know you have to work together in order to complete the mission or the you know whatever it is, um, and so I think there are some of those parts of you know acting in kindness and selflessness towards those who are around you that shows up in in those books. Yeah, you have thoughts on that? No, I I would. My brain is foggy today, so I had a hard time remembering what I was trying to say. That's okay. I think your brain is reflective of today's weather uh, it cannot <laughs> yes. make up its mind uh yeah either so that's okay but i think you're you're making up your mind very well <laughs> yeah um yes so um no i agree i think that both of those books definitely give us sort of this this sense of kind of that that like hero narrative as well you know um there's there's community building um we you know we're given like these intricate relationships right um which is which is really really interesting because relationships are kind of kind of rough right you know Th- things are not always going well um there is a struggle you know and and that's really good like we're given challenges and like we're given failures that people have to overcome right uh, which is something that we see a lot in like christian themes as well there's there's a lot of failures that happen that are like necessary you know yeah um yeah and like there's a lot of challenging times um yeah but then we also see people like rising to the occasion and then like kind of like a grand hurrah always at the end which is interesting there's there's always like this kind of quest that we're on um, so like in pursuit of something, mm-hmm. which is very reflective of like religion mm-hmm. itself, because like you know religion, you're 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 in pursuit of like this relationship with God. You know, like you're in pursuit of like loving one another, of like striving yeah. to be better. Yeah, you know? that's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any other? themes that we see popping up in some of these young adult literature books or anything like that. I think we've had a wide range just because of like the realistic side with what Megan's brought up, fantasy side. I love Chronicles and Arnie is like the middle ground <laughs> of yeah. like some of the yeah. you know morality versus and versus slash and religion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any other things you were gonna bring up, Allison? I think um, we haven't talked about Harry Potter very much yet. Yes, um, we do need to talk about that. Yeah, from so a cultural perspective, can, at the very least. Yeah. yeah, we can we can briefly discuss discuss that. Um, so culturally, Harry Potter has gotten a lot of noise, um, and it's been good, it's been bad, and it's been mm, down the middle of the line. You know, kind of yeah. no opinion stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of noise have y'all heard, like from from your your ends? I know that like my family has been kind of generally not having much of an opinion 
Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, which has been like okay. Um, I mean, yeah. So like, I read the books growing up because um, they just were like, I don't know, people people kind of like don't like them for some reasons, but we don't really get it very much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know like my mother growing up, um, like her parents were very very much so like against um, anything like that anything anything like that um so it was definitely like a new thing yeah for us i didn't read the books growing up but i definitely think that there is there is mixed uh opinions in culture around the moral the morality of the book <laughs> um i think some people really embraced it for you know some of the same adventure themes that i spoke of in other books and and just, you know, it became kind of a cultural phenomenon because it was a story that people related to not because of the magical elements, but because of the uh, friendship, if I'm understanding right. You read the books better than <laughs> know more than I would, but, you know, friendship elements and some of those same, same quest things that I spoke of. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were also those who disagreed with the concepts of, of the magic in it and the different parts of that that um i think the, the issue is more specifically with the portrayal of witchcraft and, and and stuff there was some mixed emotions about the morality behind it megan i'm putting you on the spot here what have you heard about this well my mom loves this these books so growing up it was always a very like positive opinion about the books themselves and in the movies as well when those started to come out um and I think we never really had conversations about um, other, like, cultural opinions about the book until recently, or the last however many years, with the stuff about J.K. Rowling and, yeah, her, that's, and her opinions on certain things and things she said. And I think we still really liked the books themselves. I think um, my mom was really drawn to the the um, stories of the characters in the books and just the world it created and stuff like that. And I think that was shared with me and my brothers too. Um, And yeah, I think generally we have a really positive outlook on the books themselves, but in terms of like a cultural perspective, we're pretty like neutral on like, um, on taking in like other factors in terms of (laughs) how to change our opinion based on other things or whatever. We just like the books for what the books are providing yeah yeah i think it would be interesting to do a short comparison between the the first like chronicle of narnia like book and the last um like harry potter book so is it yeah. like the deathly, deathly hollows yeah. yeah 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 um because like what's interesting about these two books is because in like a lot of religious communities like a lot of churches um, they, you know, they have, like, they, they very much do not recommend you read the Harry Potter books. They're like, do not read these. We, we do not approve, you know. Mm. Um, but then, like, with the, the Chronicles of Narnia, they, like, it's very much something that's encouraged. Um, yeah. But then if we look at both of these two books specifically, they both kind of portray um, that sort of, like, crucifixion story of, like, Christ. Um, Interesting. I have not yeah. heard this. Can yeah. you dive in further? Um, I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit. Um, so we see it with like Aslan in in the first like Chronicles of Narnia book, um, where like so Aslan um, like dies on this like rock structure that like ends up breaking in like half like mm-hmm. into, um, and then is like resurrected the next day, comes back, um, and so that's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> But then, like, and then, like, that sort of, like, rock structure that's broken kind of, like, represents, like, the the Ten Commandments, like, the, the two booklets. So that's, like, another uh-huh. level there. But, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of religious themes yeah. in C.S. Lewis's Traditionally Christian books. themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm hmm um, Yeah. But then if we go to, like, the Deathly Hallows, um, Harry Potter kind of willingly goes to his death to save humanity and then is resurrected to deliver the ultimate salvation um, in in simple terms. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then like the final chapters are like this kind of resurrection story that parallels um, the one that's being celebrated over the world today with like Christ. So it's like it shows Harry Potter as like this sort of like Christ figure. You know, the savior. Um, yeah. yeah, the savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Do we think that's problematic? <laughs> Does that help the case of those who are trying to? <laughs> I know. Yeah. So it, it's just mm. it's it's interesting where we have like some books that show these you know fantasy characters as like a Christ figure as a savior figure, um, and then we have other books that show these fantasy characters as like a Christ savior figure. Um, and then, like, where the line is drawn on, like, what is okay and what is not okay, you know? Um, That's really interesting. Do we think it's because he's a lion <laughs> that it's okay <laughs> as opposed to a, a boy? I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of, like, other, um, you know, there, there's, like, centaurs in in Chronicles of Narnia. There's so. centaurs in Harry Potter, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's, like, other figures in that as well. Um, so is there an aspect of morality here that is creating this separation of what is acceptable imagery and what is not? Does that even make sense? What is acceptable in imagery? In is what oh. I was saying. Mm-hmm. Like cuz you were saying like obviously, you know, there's kind of a line drawn. There's similar stories, similar characters, but there's a line drawn between what is yeah. quoted as acceptable and what's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Is there an aspect of morality here? I mean, wh- what's your read on why this exists? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I think we can acknowledge that the Harry Potterverse has more violence than yeah. uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, more violence and more means for violence, I would say, mm-hmm. too. Because they, they I feel like in the books they outline a lot of, like, spells that mm-hmm. are intended to, like, harm the enemy or yeah. like do specific things that may be explained in the books as well I feel like Chronicles of Narnia is like okay you have a sword we're gonna go into battle maybe once or twice <laughs> so yeah. yeah especially when we get to like the the latter books of the Harry Potter series yeah. um, those get pretty intense mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I don't know I, I like it it's it, it kind of it makes sense logically why it's a little bit like less morality like morally stable than the chronicles of narnia um but the fact that you can you can tie those two themes together you know um and see those parallels 
but then also see like the the Christian bias between the two um, and see how like there's no no it's kind of really voice describing that is a little bit problematic I would say yeah with all these things that we have kind of been discussing I kind of have a controversial question <laughs> that has come to mind should kids not be allowed to read a book that is deemed not moral by a religious institution. Because I think it's interesting to look at the differences that people have in their upbringing and how that may affect where they're at now. So there are obviously a lot of kids who did not read Harry Potter growing up because of the church telling them that it was not right to read and, and et cetera. But there were also people who did read it growing up. So I just wondered if you guys had an opinion on whether kids should be censored on what kind of books they are allowed to to read. Um, and we can talk about that religiously and then also just culturally too. Yeah. Oh man. And especially within, I, mm -hmm. obviously there's, there's mature themes that happen in adult books, but I mean, we're talking mm -hmm. young adult books where the majority of culture would agree that you know, this is okay or whatever to read for that age group, but yeah. religious institution may have a different opinion or whatever. Yeah. So I think that something which is lost in the conversation or at some point not communicated effectively enough, um, something gets muddled with this. Um, but it's the fact that, like, a lot of these fantasy books, you know, like, they are fantasy, and, like, they are fiction, you know, um, and so we're not looking at it as a reflection of real life, you know, it's not like I see this witch doing this evil act, therefore I shall be a witch and commit evil acts at the age of nine. <laughs> you know, um, like me reading those books, that's not, that's not the thought that I have as a child. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a way to practice your imagination, you know, um, and your creativity. It doesn't, it just kind of expands your mind, right? It keeps your mind active. Um, so it, it's not, in my opinion, you know, um, and the opinion of other people as well. Um, I don't think that there's a, a like a, a very strong foundation um, for them being like restricted yeah. um, on like, like that moral argument. And there's always gonna be some obscure news article that says kid reads Harry Potter and then you know, thinks this mm -hmm. about witchcraft or whatever. <laughs> yeah, of course, there's going to be one or two or a few, you know, it's, but that doesn't mean that is mm -hmm. across the population a significant, you know, impact. I mean, mm -hmm. and I think part of it comes down to, uh, like, a child, like, can read this fantasy book, and if they're, like, confused, the parent reinforces, oh, this is, this is fantasy. You know, this is fiction. That's great. Right? Distinction. Yeah. Um, yeah, so distinction. Um, so I don't think there's there's any problem there. You just have to have parenting 
along with it, you know? Um, so as long as you have support there, then you're good to go. But if your parent is like, this is witchcraft, I do not approve of you reading this, you know, and then like the child is scared to read it because they think it'll, or, you know, it'll harm their, their mind, you know, um, that's obviously not healthy for them. So we don't want that. Great thoughts. Okay, Megan, what thoughts do you have on this? Yeah, so my thoughts on that are, um, like you were talking about with it being fantasy and parents being able to explain that, um, or having the opportunity to explain that to their child that might be reading this book, that yes, this is fictional, like this isn't real, it's, 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 it's just fantasy or whatever. But nowadays, um, especially in recent history, we're starting to see a lot more pushback either from religious groups or from concerned parents on um, books that are kind of this real from this realistic fiction standpoint like some of the books I was talking about um, where you can't just say oh that's fantasy that doesn't exist or whatever and and it's transitioning more from like um, concepts of like witchcraft and like stuff that you would find in fantasy to concepts of like um, like LGBTQ um, topics mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. racial topics and yeah. social issues that are being mentioned in these books intended for young people to read them and be aware of these situations from a from a realistic situation, like an explanation of a very yeah. realistic situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and this topic is, is known as banned books, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I... 100% agree with you, Megan. I think that a lot of the YA fiction that's been sort of created and like been like trending nowadays is um, moving away from fantasy mm -hmm. and into more of just like general fiction that's kind of based off of like real life, you know. Um, yeah. So, and I think that that's good for kids. You know, it's 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 not like bad, um, but it's good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah however it like it does present more of a realistic scenario right um but i do think that when people like ban books like this i think that like book banning like it kind of makes sense for groups um i kind of get like why they do it because like the books are kind of a threat to many power structures you know, not um, kind of very. They're very threatening because <laughs> they want to see like they the like I talked about earlier. Um, a lot of books that every, every YA fiction book deals with morality in some way yeah. because the characters have to have a humanizing aspect to them. They have to have truthiness, um, and so they like need to portray morals, whether they be like good or bad. And if they're young, they're gonna they're gonna make mistakes, you know. So they're not always gonna be perfect. Um, and then, like a lot of times, people have experiences with experiences with some sort of religion in their lives. So it would make sense for that to be a part of the story. Um, and it may not always be good, and it may not always be bad. So it doesn't have to be a certain way for it to be a part of a story. Because a story is a story is a story. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense that books would be banned because they're a threat to power structures, right? Um, yeah. Because they want us, like, the books want us to see each other 
or the power structures want us to see each other as less than human, you know? Because, like, I don't know. And many of those banned books have, like, the agenda of making us humanize one each other. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's also... What I'm finding in that as well is the, the similarity between, like, fantasy books and realistic mm-hmm. books in terms of the parent's responsibility to explain to the child what some of those topics might mean based on the parent's own, like, approach. Like, it's not up to... As I, I think what what this banning this book banning thing is also trying to get at is especially in a school setting parents um, expecting teachers to be parenting their children and like teaching them morals and doing all this and if these books are going to be bringing up topics that they don't want their kids to like understand then they don't want them to have access to them in these places where teachers are very much like being the role model and the support system for a lot of these kids yeah I mean, I think we can clearly see that, like, efforts to restrict stories are efforts to restrict empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh. Good quote. Yeah. Good quote. <laughs> yeah. And we're seeing that in Nebraska with the, the critical race theory laws in education. Um, and we're seeing that with banned books uh, with people who are kind of against themes in, like, LGBT communities um, and that kind of stuff based on religious principles which is pretty darn unfounded Mm -hmm. Um, and it just is bizarre so yeah and and I understand uh, like you said you understand why it happens and and even from a less cynical point of view I understand why these things can be restricted for from the sense of um, maturity and the age at which these topics are discussed and having some back and forth about w- w- when that is appropriate. <laughs> and, and, and I understand all those conversations that are happening. I think that's a part of it. But it's also important to know that like, I, I, the story is the story is the story. I love that how you say that because for as long as you know, I believe that as long as literature has been around, it has been a method of, of personal and identity, like personal development, identity development, like you said at the beginning, Allison, but also just like knowledge and, and growth and learning. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that those stories are inherently good or inherently bad. And you can't, I don't think that you can limit. Yeah, you know, how, how do you learn what you agree with? if you don't read all the different things, you know? Right, or have exposure to all the different things, so. Mm -hmm. I think, personally, this is gonna be a little little shout out slash story time for me for for that. Perfect. Yeah, so in high school, my senior year of high school, um, the like senior English class that you would take to to graduate um, was taught by Erica Shook, who is very much an advocate for stories about um, like people in the minority or um, individuals with um, experiences that are not represented in literature and things like that, and we had this um, we had this program where we would essentially um, we split our class up into multiple groups and we were each assigned a different book that kind of like 
had topics that were either about like LGBTQ stories or about um, race or about um, poverty and things like that. And um, each month, a group who had whatever book, they had to like prepare um, discussion questions and like topics and stuff like that. And um, we would have like small group discussions in our class then every month. And then towards the end of the year, um, we had one book that we all had to read and we opened it up to a community discussion. And that book was The 57 Bus, which is about, um, it's about, I think it takes the perspective of two individuals, one who is a transgender person who uses they, them pronouns, and um, an, another individual who I'm, um, from, if I'm remembering correctly, um, is a black teenager. And they both are on this one bus, the 57 bus at one point. And then I think the book walks you through like um, different, at different times during like one day and the perspective of each individual. And so you're getting the perspective of someone who is transgender and has to experience life um, being ridiculed and like looked at strangely and living their life that way. And you have an individual who is um, black and who is seen as um, a violent person or someone that might be um, causing trouble, even though they might not be. And I think what ends up happening in the book is the transgender person ends up getting um, hurt in with the intent of it being like a hate crime. And I think the black teenager is um, isolated as like the perpetrator who, um, and he had nothing to do with it. He was just on the same bus, but people automatically thought it was him. And so as we're in this class, like reading this book, we're, we're getting information about, we're like, we're having to read they, them pronouns in a context that at least I had never um, considered or never like been given the opportunity to like experience like reading reading a book with um, the perspective of a person whose um, singular pronouns are they them and so they're the the, the plural and just like the yeah it's, it, even my brain yeah. right now is it was it was very interesting to like experience that in high school with other students that were also experiencing that and adults that were experiencing that too. Um, and we were having conversations in this like open discussion at the end of the semester with um, mothers of some of my friends and from um, the basketball, like the high school girls basketball coach was there and just like all these different perspectives from small town Kansas and we're still able to have like civil conversations about things and it just the opportunity that, that provided um, was really important and I think with um, the whole situation of banning books it's preventing that from happening for individuals that like want to seek that out or from individuals that may benefit from that and they don't even know it yet so yeah that was perfect I mm -hmm. love that yeah that's beautiful Megan um yeah and I think that you know when when it comes down to it that like that book shows like actual like truth of human life you know yeah. stuff that we we don't see always like especially in like small town communities like mm -hmm. we don't we don't get that yeah. um and that helps us learn empathy right that helps us learn about other people around us and you know when, when we when we compare that with christianity um it helps us love our neighbors better yeah. right um the people that are a lot different like very different from us people that we have a hard time relating to maybe um and we gotta love all our neighbors, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a good thing. I love it. Thank you.
Any final thoughts that any of you guys have? Books are great. Books are great. Why books, <laughs> books are great? I love young adult books. <laughs> oh my goodness. As a elder young adult. <laughs> On the top end of the young adult range. What is the range? That is true. <laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. It was wonderful having you talk with us. You are way more eloquent than I, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you both so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. And next week, ah, next week is our next, our last podcast. Oh well, my gosh kind of crazy yeah <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about religion but make it religious yes bye <laughs> <laughs>